Sting Kusai. I'm Drew Bucks here. I'm Scufflewick, and I'm the pretty one. Oh, there's yes. the Cubone. She was adorable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're so, talking about that dog? No, not the dog. Oh, man. So, over the weekend, we were at, uh, well, I was at the Calgary Comic Expo, and all the cosplays are fucking amazing there. Like, just awesome. There was a Cubone um, that I met when I was going up like 200 or 300 cosplayers. I think there was almost four or five this year. But we all go up onto the stairs of the Saddle Dome and we take giant group shots together. Um, it's at the very end of the at the expo, Sunday, usually at five or six. And I met a Cubone there, um, or she was cosplaying a Cubone, and I... I was like, oh man, that's awesome. And then later tried to find photos of it to show my buddies. And I ended up coming across this photo of a corgi with a cubone mask. And oh my god, is it the cutest thing ever? It's adorable and morbid. A little bit, yeah. It's the best of all things. You know that sounds the really deal good. with the skull, right? <clears throat> oh yeah. It's its dead which mother. Doesn't, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because the birth rates on cubones is 50-50. So you're technically, like, you would half the generation every generation, or half the populace every generation. Well, maybe they're doomed to go extinct. Well, it also wouldn't really stay, because what happens if they give the, well, actually, yeah, if it's a boy, you don't keep that fucking species going. Like, it just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, they, they they could have done it a little better, but I, it's still an interesting explanation for for the Pokemon. I don't know. I'm gonna it stick to they're more... going extinct. Yeah, yeah. I'm also My gonna point thoughts... out it's better than some of the explanations for the other Pokemon. I'm still like, gonna say it's Kangaskhan. It, it that's all pretty much the fan accepted. That it okay? It's that is theory. what the the fans have accepted, though it's not in Canada. Yet. So. For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, Cubone is in the first generation of Pokemon. Red, blue, yellow. Um, Cubone is a... Oh, Japanese, right. Um, Cubone is a small Pokemon who looks a lot like a tiny, tiny Kangaskhan, except it wears a skull, and it's always crying, and it's got this little bone club, which is so cute. Anyways, um, the... The story behind Cubones is the skull is actually the skull of its dead mother. So what we're saying is, if Cubones always get their mother's skull, and they have a birth rate of 50-50 male, 50-50 female, each generation the populace would half and eventually dwindle off. But there's another fan theory where Cubones are in fact Kangaskhans, Another Pokemon, it kind of looks like a kangaroo, but like badass, um, are in fact Kangaskhans. And then when the skull is placed onto the Cubones, or the Kangaskhan to become a Cubones head, at that time it would be a special item evolution, similar to Onyx with a steel jacket? Steel jacket or steel coat? Mm. Steel coat. Oh. coat, I think. Oh, okay. Or like Pikachu with the Thunderstone. That yeah. being said, I think I might might just have something something to mention. Is it wasn't canon, but it actually might be canon uh, since uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon. What's that? That uh, um, Cubone is a baby. Uh, King is gone. 
I see no evidence at all in Sun and Moon for that. I'm reading one of the descriptions from the game, and it pretty much... I'll read it out loud. A, uh, Cubone and Marowak are... are uh, what is it? Yeah, it's like here in the, from on the Pokemon site. It says Cubone and Marowak are the only Pokemon that can learn Bone Club, Boomerang. This is a popular... Yeah, and then it goes on and saying that it's like Baby Genghis Khan, and there's a bunch of new, news articles. Now, hang on. Exactly, me. exactly what words is it saying it is a Baby Genghis Khan? I'll link it. It's just I'm looking... For don't fuck around with this. Yeah. I'm just looking at screenshots from the game, so like you don't send fuck us around with the Cuba. link. I will send it later. Let's just move on. We're no, supposed to send it now. About... Send it now, uh, damn it. Can we're we already in this. We... No, we're already in this. Let's okay, fucking no, no, do this. Okay, let's move on. We're not at like, ten we have... minutes yet. We're at four Stuff minutes in this segment. We have another fuck few damn minutes. It. <laughs> can we just move on? This isn't a segment. This is you going off on let's talk about Pokemon. What's wrong with Pokemon? Yeah, it's fine. you've got oh. two people wanting this link, and you're see, the one sitting there. No, so, so, oh, so, so, for the plan. Oh. <laughs> yeah, coming from Scuffle, who was like 30 seconds ago, let's see how long we can actually stick to this to the to the format. Oh, it's the first person to go off, off format. Was I wrong? <laughs> Does he know the Only format? Only because you I yeah, I told him and I emailed <laughs> him. He's been he's he's had this explained to me in detail like twice now. <laughs> He has no excuse. Uh, <laughs> I love how you're so like a scapegoat. I'm the one who's like, link it, link it now. <laughs> like, I'll link send it the later. Fucking link. <laughs> I've moved on and moved past it to my actual articles for what we're going to be talking okay. about. Today. Okay, so Hit as me. of right now, as of right now, there is no evidence that a Cubone yes. comes we'll from come Kangaskhan. We'll come back to it. At, yeah. at this moment, and I would, <laughs> at this yes, moment yes, it is strictly fan theory and some yes. far-off bullshit that Kusai is linking at, through like six I'm not, logic I'm, leaps. I'm, I'm, gonna say, I'm also going to point out, I said it might be Kangaskhan. Kusai, we're moving on. You said it was. We're moving on. Move on with the thing. Yeah, I said yeah, it you might. Said, no, you said, <laughs> you were like, oh, it's in the book, it's in the fucking thing, like... It looks like it is, but I said I also want to confirm. Because like, we don't know, and like... I, I also said it might, so let's move on. Suck a dick. <laughs> oh, God, let's just move Go on. Go back. Let's Suck move on. Suck Okay, so moving on to our actual segment Still here that we're trying to do. What games have you guys played this week? Because I've actually played a game other than Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links in this week, so. I've played all what the fucking guys? pinball. All uh, of it. Yes, you were at. Well, this is a good, this is a good point to talk about uh, YEG Pin. Yeah, so. Well, no. Actually. What is YEG pin? Well, hold on for oh, two look, seconds. We're screwing the format again. No, no, good that, job, Kusai. Scufflewick, are you are you dense? Because like, he's over. talking that counts as really news, deeply not as what we and play. shove your own dick in your mouth <laughs> and let me finish. <laughs> Wait, does that mean I get to finish? <laughs> in your own mouth, yes. Uh, as long as you're quiet. Oh. Okay, so the pinball arcade is an actual video game. I did play all the pinball, but I also played all the virtual pinball. What the pinball arcade is, is pretty much a greatest hits of pinball machines uh, emulated, pretty much. Because it's hard to have something that's purely mechanical and physical in a digital form. So... Pinball Arcade kind of has, like, the best physics engine of any pinball games I've played online. And what you kind of get to do is pick and choose which tables you want. So every single table 
is DLC. There's only like one free table. And if you really like pinball, you can get the whole season pass, which is like 20 tables for $50 or whatever. It got really so, quiet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have a question. Okay. So, like, I, I, I've played this, but just to, for, for the viewers, how accurate is the, the game to an actual pinball machine? Well, the physics engine is pretty good, but you can never get that perfect, pretty much. Yeah. But the machines themselves were meticulously, like, scrutinized. Like, every detail of the machines are in these virtual ones, pretty much. Like... Um, I know for some of them, they actually got, like, the original CAD drawings from, uh, Williams? And how is for the Williams machines. play? Well, he just said, but... Yeah, it's it's about the best there is right now. Pinball FX is up there, but I feel like Pinball Arcade's a bit better. Um, okay, but that doesn't say how good it is. You, like probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference unless you actually played pinball. Oh, okay, there we go. Yeah. And I'd have to agree with it from actually having played it myself too. It's it's pretty spot on as far as I'm concerned for a video game. Yeah. It's a lot better than what I was used to, which was, you know, the uh, space pinball that used to be on uh Microsoft. <laughs> Rock and roll <laughs> pinball on like MS-DOS. Yeah. <laughs> uh that was a good one. Um so, is there anything you would want to see improved on that on that game? Like, is there anything that was actually a con or a detractor from it that they could actually improve on? So, I'm actually playing it on the Wii U. <laughs> and it's stuck at version 1.0 because I'm pretty sure they uh -oh. uploaded it on there, the Wii U failed, they didn't sell that many, and they decided to never touch it again. So, like, on PC, they're currently on, like, Season 6 or 7 on the Wii U. They only released up to Season 4. So... I mean, I'd like to see them release more tables on that, but I mean, that's just a platform problem. Yeah. If anything, they might um, release it onto the Nintendo Switch now that it's out and keep it up to date. Maybe. It's already on the PS4 and the Xbox One. The only reason I don't buy the others on PC is because I already have four seasons on the Wii U. I don't want to have to switch between two systems to play um, these games. Yeah, I haven't not played it on PS4 to, and I've played it on your Wii U. I actually think that the Wii U work would work better. Someone's um, vibrating. Yeah, you should check then, that. Then, uh, um, then like say other consoles because it kind of almost feels like you're holding on to a, a very small. Yeah, I, um, I kind of noticed machine that versus a very small controller. Because you know I mean, like it'd be the the weird. buttons, the shoulder buttons on the Wii U pad, are very different yeah. compared to like the PS4 and the Xbox One, where. PS4 and Xbox One, they kind of stick out a lot more and you gotta press them a lot farther. The uh, the Wii U is like a short button press, which is more similar to a pinball machine. And your arms are spaced a little bit apart. It's not nearly as much as like an actual pinball machine, but it's enough to the, feel a little more Wii natural. U buttons, the Wii U buttons, though, are you talking the triggers? Shoulder Sorry. buttons. Oh, it is. Or triggers. Shoulder buttons. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, because I'm pretty sure the Wii U triggers, aren't they a uh, three-step digital? Don't know. I didn't think they were native analog. Oh, no, they're not. I, I, okay. They're not, but they're Pinball they're machines aren't analog them. either. Most pinball no, no, machines run off leaf switches. 
No, but I'm saying like that's why they're a shorter pull because they're they're not legit. And I mean, I could be wrong, but and I'm pretty for the sure Wii U gamepad, they're not. For the Wii U gamepad, it's not. I think with the Pro controller, they might be. But the fact oh, okay. that they're not analog makes it a shorter distance, and it feels a bit better as a comparison to real pinball. Yeah. So for um, for those who don't know what an analog versus a digital. Uh, uh, in this case, button is on controllers. Um, if you look at the Xbox 360 or Xbox One, um, and I think PlayStation generations would have the same, but the the shoulder buttons um, and the trigger buttons, so your RB and your RT, uh, the trigger is a gradual uh, pull, and at each point of the pull, it has a certain intensity. Um, where it can measure versus the the shoulder buttons above are just on or off. The on or off, like either you're pressing it or you're not, is a digital button, whereas with the trigger, how far back you're pulling it, like a gas pedal if you're playing Need for Speed, how far back you're pulling it has individual values, and that is an analog button. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Anything else you want to add before we move on, uh, Jukebox? Well, actually, I kind of wanted to ask you guys stuff, but I'll ask it later. Okay. So tell me what you've been playing. Okay. I'll tell you what I've been playing. Uh, Have you guys ever heard of a game called FTL by Subset Games? Heard of it? Uh, Haven't seen it. Faster than light. Yeah. It's it's about uh, um, you control a ship. It's an above view kind of uh, 2D game. Uh, where you control a ship that actually can go uh, faster than light, and you control it between jumps, and you fight ships, you get to build onto the ship uh, by putting equipment on it or uh, getting uh, crew members, and you allot points and everything, and you're trying to outrun a supernova. So it's Mass Effect that you get to add to the ship. I feel like I saw them play this on Steam Train. Yeah, and if you guys are wondering how old it is, it is back from uh, September 2012. Old so enough. It, it is. It, yes. So it's a it's a good five years. What five was half. the story that you were escaping Earth because it was 2012? <laughs> our sun became I, 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 a fucking supernova and destroyed our galaxy or whatever. That's that's the weird thing. I've been I've played hours of this thing and I have not come across like any discernible actual storyline. Oh. I mean that's you kind know, of lame, but other than you got some background information, you know, like that that they're part of a galactic federation which is on the verge of collapse and they're going up against evil people, but they, they basically give you that little they don't tell you why you're they don't try to tell you why. Yeah, Anything's that, happening just at the That's NES yeah. arcade story. One line. Just yeah. this is what's happening. Go. Which is the reason why I like it. It feels like an old retro game and it's fun. There's no external point. I can stop and uh pause at any time and come back to it and it's just it's just fun. Um, I kinda like that versus newer games like The Witcher. And I'm only using The Witcher as an example because I'm guilty of this right now, but like where you'll play it for a while and then you'll get distracted. Like I'm, I think 80 hours in on chapter four with so far hundred percent completion. When I go back to that and I've gone back 15 hours just because I fucked up one quest. Huh. Um, yeah. So just an example of 
how long this fucking game is going to take. I haven't played that game in a year. I have no idea what I was doing at that point. Sucks Whereas to be with you. those NES games, you can jump in, jump out at any time, and like, yeah, and all you need to know is, boom. And that's the beauty of them, right? With the exception of like the eleven games that have save cartridges. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck Final Fantasy. <laughs> Zelda. Yeah. Yeah. You know what the weirdest I, fucking game I own that has a save in it on the NES is? What? It's some race car driver's turbo racing game. Turbo I don't know how I don't know how the fuck that got a goddamn save cart. Because everything um, else is really big adventures and like Nintendo classics. Turbotastic. Oh god. Okay, so it's funny that you mentioned the age because as soon as you mentioned the age, I'm like, oh wow, he's playing a classic game like 2012, <laughs> which made me think like. What is technically qualified as a classic game? Yeah. Classic or retro? Classic, specifically. I, specifically like, it's classic. That was okay. the word that jumped in my head. Okay. Yeah. And so classic, I, I, I feel, that, like, is a is lot it? closer to if it kind of stands the test of time or it has some sort of like significance even to the time when it came out. It could so be considered the a classic. Of classic. The definition of classic is judged over a period of time to be the highest quality and outstanding of its kind. Yeah. But, like... There's no could... prerequisite for what time period that is. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, like, technically, we could say, like... Yo, God, it just popped into my head that Fast and the Furious is a classic. No, no. <laughs> but, like, the original Bioshock is absolutely considered a classic. Isn't that eleven years old now? Yep. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it it's it's beyond the gray area. It's yeah. been remastered, so we have Bioshock Remaster and we have Bioshock Classic. Uh, if we go down to say Dragon Age Origins, again, I would consider that a classic game because it's a great game that stood the test of time. But this is where we start getting into like what is considered a classic? Because Grand Theft what? Auto 4, absolutely a great game, but would we consider that a classic? Probably. Yeah, and that's that's the big thing, too. Like, it's even coming out, I'm starting to have, like, issues with, with, with music, too, on that line. So it's like, um, like what recently, it, it's been official that, uh, for a while now, that um, Red Hot Chili Peppers is considered classic rock. Hell, the band me and they, uh, they started in the mid eighties. Oh, I know, Chili but still, peppers. like even the band that um, uh, me and uh, uh, Woodhouse went to see recently would probably be considered classic, not rock, but maybe metal. Who did? They're only twenty years old. Uh, Hammerfall. See our classic rock radio station, like our local classic rock radio station. And I hate this, but they've played Nickelback from 2002. So that's 15 years. Yeah. Although, at that point, did you hate those Nickelback songs? No. Or has your hate for Nickelback grown over time? Not really. Because I don't mind that. No, it's just 2002. So they've kind of held a 15-year 
uh, difference because I remember when they started playing like Metallica Enter Sandman and then things slowly progressed and they started playing like Nirvana and then they were playing more Guns N' Roses and stuff. So they yeah. kind of hold like a 15 year difference. Yeah, and that's the thing is like when is it, is it that 15 year mark? Is there anything like I wish there was an actual discernible time where something actually like a definitive time where because like we can look at this and consider it maybe being classic after this amount of much time to make yeah. things so much easier. Because <laughs> just for me, for certain things like that, I'm sitting there like I'm not that old and things that for my youth are starting to be considered classic. Okay, you know, well, I kind of I kind of wonder if. If something came out very recently, like 2012, five years, you know, I kind of feel like most people probably won't consider that classic in the traditional sense. But is there a point where we can kind of foresee that this thing isn't going to like lose its amazing reviews and stuff and we may as well start calling it a classic now? Yeah, I think I don't know. Judging the longevity of something is a very dangerous very dangerous practice um just because you never know and i almost think what makes something a classic is the fact that like it wasn't expected to be this epic proportion i mean like obviously zelda games are like yeah it's fucking great we all yeah. know it's going to be amazing but well yeah that's my point in 20 years for it to be still considered a classic yeah. with zelda yeah. i am because all the original Zeldas are considered classics, and it's been well over 20 years now. Yes, but at the time they were made, did they come out and say, this is going to be a classic? No. Well, actually, yeah, kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, they, well, it's they, like they the didn't use the word classic, but they put it out and like, this is fucking new, this is fucking grand, people are going to fucking love it. They didn't say classic, but they knew it was going to be a big deal. So they yeah, said, they, they this s- is going to stand the test of time? No. They said it was going to be fucking great. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, and I, mean, I, that, I took That's it, fine. I'm talking, is it going to be a classic as far as in the future? Like, down the road? Well... Can I, can I interject on something on that? Yeah. Uh, the way I took it when, when games like Zelda came out and they were like, yeah, this is going to be epic. I took it as the same thing when, when movies used to come and say, this is, gonna, this is a blockbuster. It's going to be... You well, know, and it's going to be an instant classic. Okay, I was talking about like the original Zeldas, though, back when there literally wasn't oh, expansive adventure games. But that's what I mean. Like they kind of were saying it in that same kind of tone that this is, you yeah. know. But um, as that for Scufflewick, I feel like you're kind of playing off of stand the test of time, as in, will people play it twenty years from now? As opposed to the nostalgia side. Yeah, because I don't expect anyone to play the same games they play now 20 years from now. Unless they're a collector, I never expect that. Ever. That doesn't mean they aren't classics, though. Like, if you were to go back and play these games, you would go back to these particular games kind of deal. Like, if you brought out your NES and you wanted to play something, sure, shit, you'd probably want to play something like Super Mario Bros., the classic oh, first Mario game, you know? Okay, so here's a question, too, then. Because we did mention remakes or remasteries. The You mentioned Super Mario Bros., which has been remade on every Nintendo generation. Um, with, like, the 2D platforming style. Let's go back to the Wii. 
for the Wii U, where the new Super Mario Bros, like that was one of the launch titles, wasn't it? Is that considered um, a classic game or classic play style? That's a classic play style. That's like Jaws 4, you know? It's like we just keep on remaking it, hoping it's still going to be awesome. And it might still be, but at one point, when do we stop? I'd say both, because when they brought out the new Super Mario Bros., it was a bit of a revitalization because they had been making so many 3D ones, and they kind of realized that the 3D ones don't sell as well as the 2D ones, regardless of how well-praised the 3D ones are. Like, the new Super Mario Bros. sold so much more than, like, Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah, because they're simpler for kids to play. Pretty much. Now, Scuffle, can I ask you a question? Can I? What have you played this week? (laughs) <laughs> well, I wasn't done with the classics. I actually have a list ready to go for classics. Okay, so before I answer that, tell me at what point you start to consider these classic. Or whether or not you consider the games individually classic. Lego Star Wars, the video game. I've never played it. Eh. Eh, it's good. I don't know if I consider no, it No, no, no. I fucking love these games. I mean timeline-wise. Timeline wise, I think dare it's too say soon. they're not amazing. <laughs> they're not, I don't it's not know that they're when not that amazing. One came I, out. Yeah. Uh, 2005. Probably. Uh, yeah. For some, for personally, personally, awesome game. I don't know if I consider it a classic, but yeah, again, that's the subjectivity of that as well, isn't it? Okay, well, I'm I consider the Lego just games classic. I just don't know what ones there are because yeah. I haven't actually so, so played he, them. Yeah, Lego is what, what one of the first Lego. I think Lego games was the count. first. Yeah, but then that was a, one of their first themed ones, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, because they had, like, Lego racers and stuff before. Yeah. So it's the first big one, I would say. Or yeah, first probably. Themed. Yeah, that's that's better. Um, okay, so Lego Star Wars. Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy, I would still consider a classic. Lego it's Star Wars me. Are you just going to go through Lego games? Yeah, it's just because I have the list up. Uh, the Clone Wars in 2011 is that considered a classic? How good was it? I mean timeline, timeline, timeline wise, I think that might be timeline. Oh, I think 2011, that might be yeah, like, probably. Okay, I don't know. That's it's like what six years ago. Yes, I'd still consider uh, it a classic. Okay, The Force Awakens in 2016. 2016, probably not. So Depends what context year. I'm speaking in. Okay. Uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes, I think, was 2014. Yeah, it was probably. Uh, yeah. There's, so you there's, guys are sitting at about three years. Yeah. See, there's another aspect of it, like, especially right now, is between console generations. So it's a lot easier to call something on a past generation a classic because there's kind of that split. Because mm-hmm. if something comes out on the 360, even if it came out in 2011, it, it's probably a bit better, but it still feels the same as a 360 game did back in 2006. You can't really change the hardware to make it that much more advanced. But if you wait another three years for the Xbox One to come out, and there's that distinctive difference between the two, the Xbox One game will feel new, and the Xbox one, uh, the Xbox 360 game will feel old, yeah. even if it's not as old as the earliest 360 games. 
Um, question then. What about something like The Last of Us, which is cross-generational? It wasn't a remaster, but just it was also released on between PS3 and PS4. I'd probably call it a it's, classic. Because yeah. that, that was a like, very significant yeah. game. Yeah. Um, that, and it came out in 2013. Yeah. So. And like I said, I'm projecting that in the future we'll still look back and be like, that was a great fucking game. Oh yeah, I know people who play that game without cutting through the scene, uh, cutting through the scenes, like you skipping them. Yeah. Four times in a row, they they didn't cut. Like you think the four, third or fourth time through, they'd be just skipping the the cutscenes, but they weren't. They were playing that game like four times through. With I, the, I still with the haven't played it. <laughs> it's a hard fucking game. <laughs> so, we should move on. Yeah. So the question was, Any... what have I been playing? Well, for fuck's yeah, sake, was... answer it. <laughs> It's going to be real quick because I've still just been playing Ark. Actually, I haven't really played anything lately because I've been finishing my Baymax cosplay. And then last weekend was the Calgary Comic Expo. Yeah. We record on so, yeah. Sundays and then we release on Wednesdays. So that's why I wasn't on the previous episode. Yep. Yes. But yeah, no, the expo is good. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Yep. So you guys have any tech news or can I start off with the tech? I got none. Okay. I'll start then. Two things I want to talk about. We have uh, the whole thing that like Forbes and other sites are talking about that finally uh, um, Apple OS isn't immune to hacks anymore. I'm like, it, it never was. Yes. They used to advertise that their big advertisement was for Macs and Apples was that they were hack proof or virus proof. It's, it's not that they were virus proof. It's that nobody knew how to, to program a virus or hack into an iOS because they didn't know how to program well, no, that iOS. Well, no, that's it, not true. They said it was virus-free, which it wasn't. But for how big Apple is, they actually hold a very small percent of the market share. So that to make well. a virus or any sort of phishing scheme or anything where you're trying to make money off people using Mac and Apple products would kind of be pointless when you can go for Microsoft and put a virus on there where they have like 80% of the market or whatever it is. I know. And I'm not saying that the, the whole not knowing his thing is the complete thing, but I remember back in was 2005 watching daily planet and they had um, an expert on there talking about that advertisement. And the guy's like, it's not that it's, it's thing is that most people, if you were to go out and take a group of programmers and ask them which do you know how to program an i an iOS or or just it with with uh, DOS and all that and, and that program language which one do you know and very few would be able to say I know both or just iOS. Well, then yeah, you but talk why would they the even that, learn the Apple yeah, OS if and it was exa- pointless? And exactly, and then that's what I was gonna get is that he said that on top of that, like, and like you're saying, why would they even bother learning it for the sole purpose of causing shit because it's a small mar- market? So what's the point? So I don't know why they keep on being surprised when they find out, oh my god, they, they're finally being susceptible to um, phishing schemes. They were always, that's the thing, they're talking so about phishing schemes. So hang on, like, hang on, because phishing schemes are neither a virus nor a hack. Oh, I know. So they're talking about when through the phishing scheme, you're also upload, they're, they're also adding in a virus onto the email at the same time. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's considered hacking, the, the, the just the phishing scheme. Maybe with the virus and then getting their stuff, but like, I don't know if that's like some big news that Apple um, is okay. is suddenly susceptible to hacks. For anyone who doesn't know what a phishing hey, scheme is. Hey, hold on, is, hold on, hold on. Scufflewick's Tech Talk. No. Damn no. it. <laughs> hey, this is important. <laughs> you should. 
For anyone, no, no, this is just explaining as we go, same as I've done in the last two segments. For anyone who doesn't know what a phishing scheme is, a phishing scheme is simply when you get an email from somebody who looks like an official source. Say it looks like Apple is sending you an email. But if you look at the email address, it's like at apple.hahahawehackyou.com. Um, so it looks like an official email. They're going to format everything and they're going to put certain images in to make it look real. And they're going to say, your account has been compromised. Click here to log in and update your security. So you click there and you log in and it doesn't actually do anything, but you've just punched in your username and password for a secure site. And good job. You just gave them all of your login information. Yeah. It's not a hack and it's not a virus. It's a um user error yeah so that that is not um so much a vulnerability to any specific platform as to specific users stupidity uh, because basically uh because any any site or any anything um that has a login could be compromised this way which is where um, two-factor authentication comes in where if you log in on a new device they will text you a six-digit code and be like hey punch this in and then you're good for the next 30 days on yeah. this device um i'll point out though I, I i this isn't the only article it's just the one I, i'm reading from i have to kind of criticize them a bit and i like that you're explaining things here because See? i honestly think fuck the you, for- forbes who's supposed forbes oh uh, sorry Did you say fuck um, me for- yeah. Why? Forbes. I'm trying to skip tech talk. Yeah. So Forbes, <laughs> uh, that uh, uh, that's supposed to be this big, you know, there's supposed to be a smart article. Like everybody who runs there, they talk about all the big news topics and they're supposed to be fairly accurate and, and informed. And every once in a while I get, I read one of their, um, their articles off their site and I'm like, I don't know if they know what they're talking about. I don't know if this particular, because this guy doesn't seem to know the difference between malware, viruses, or hackers. He seems to like talk about them as the, if they're the same thing. Which is quite often when you have a big site like that and their small editorial com, um, submissions by individuals. They often jump in and they don't care if it's the right news. They just want the most clicks because that's how much money they make. So they're going to use scary words. Hacking. Virus. Scam. Well, as well here, hear this out. Here's a, here's not, this is in the article, and this is a quote. Gone are the days of PC-only virus attacks. Now malicious hackers, and then they go on to talk about malicious malware, and I'm like, in the same sentence as well, and I'm like, what is it? Are they, is it, are you talking about now virus attacks, malware, or hackers? Like, well, hang on, because viruses are malware. Oh, I know, but it's the way he's talking about it, and it's like, it's like he thinks that they're all the same thing, including hacking. Hacking and malware are not the... He's Not using he's using what's called a buzzword, a big a attention grabbing word, to try and scare people into reading the article and sharing and, the article so he gets more clicks. And, and the then, layman then doesn't the care or know the difference. Yeah. And then at the very end of the article, you might be right, because at the very end of the article, he talks about the probably the actual reason that um uh apples are finally being hit a lot by by viruses and, and hackers. It's because they've had a, a big increase over the years to their in the market for computers. So that may actually be true. Um, again, <laughs> that, that, if you put out a virus, you want to fuck out the most people possible. 
And, and come on, who doesn't want to fuck with uh, um, some of the pretentious people who buy <laughs> hipsters. apples? Yeah. Not that I have thing against most people, but there are people out there that are like, I have an apple and I'm better than everybody else, including PC. Pretentious twats. <sighs> if you and really want to feel nothing secure, about actual go get computers. Linux. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and even that, I don't think Linux is entirely secure. If you really want to be secure, and as an IT guy, I can say I have clients that do this. I am okay. not kidding. I have a client who has four computers in their office. One is connected to the internet. The okay. other three are inventory, um, accounting, and I think I can't remember what the other one is, but that's all they do. I know now, of this out, idea. I'm going to leave you guys with this topic because the missus is here and she's now tapping me on the back like we have to go. How long? Like now. <laughs> no, no, have fun. How long until you're back? A long um, time. Probably not until like two o'clock. Oh, you're just gone then. Okay, fair enough. We'll edit this okay. shit out. Go but don't edit this this out. But go, just keep on talking box. and then and go to your okay, go to on. your next. We're gonna uh, cut it. Next in. thing. Stop talking for a sec. All right, because I had to bail because the missus wanted him for some little tea party or something. I don't know, but <laughs> uh, lucky you, fucker, people. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna go into the tech talk which means you lucky people get to listen to me talk for the next 10 minutes and you're on the timer right oh great uh, okay so today we're gonna be talking about overclocking because in tech news recently though Kusai left before I got to bring this up oh I know what you're gonna say Intel has recently responded to Core i7-7700K, their top chip, overheating. Um, Intel has no idea what's happening. But basically, a lot of people will buy computers or build their own computers. Um, and they will take specific parts and pieces to allow them to do something called overclocking. Basically, overclocking is um, when you have what's called an unlocked processor. For Intel's, that's anything with a K or X at the back of the SKU. So in this case, 7700K is actually their top-of-the-line um, mainstream processor. What you can do with these processors, because it's unlocked, is you can say, hey, I don't want you to run at 4.2 gigahertz. I want to push you faster than the manufacturer spec'd. I want to push you to quite a few of these chips are getting to 5.0 or 5.1 gigahertz. Um, so people say like, hey, I want to push this chip faster to get extra uh, performance out of it. The problem with that is in order to push these chips faster, in order to make it think faster, you've also got to increase the voltage to ensure stability. Now, voltage with computer hardware is also equivalent to heat within CPUs. Um, now it is, it's not a linear pattern, like you can put in X amount of volts and it'll be minimal heat increase, and as soon as you pass a certain threshold, your heat just skyrockets. Um, and that's usually the point where people back it off a little bit and be like, okay, cool, we're good. What's been happening with some of these top-of-the-line processors that Intel makes, um, and keep in mind, I am an Intel fan. 
I love that Ryzen's come out with the stuff that they have, or sorry, AMD has come out with the Ryzen stuff that they have, but I'm still not ready to jump ship just because I know Intel is good. But back to Intel, what's been happening with these chips is people who are overclocking will usually get a stable temperature at full load of about 60 to 75 degrees Celsius is usually where you want to be at maximum load after it's stabilized. Randomly, these chips are hitting 90, 95 degrees Celsius, which at 100 degrees Celsius, the computer just shuts off because that's the point where it damages it. Um, now, it, it shuts off to prevent damage, but you still could have some silicone degradation at that point. Um, somebody within the Intel community uh, has actually said we don't recommend running outside of the processor specifications, which means they don't recommend overclocking, um, such as exceeding frequency or voltage, again, overclocking, or removing the integrated heat spreader, which is sometimes called delitting. These actions will void the processor warranty. So what's pissed a lot of people off with this is Intel has come out and been like, yeah, these are unlocked chips. You can make them go faster. They're not doing what they're supposed to. And now Intel's going, hey, don't overclock or you'll void your warranty when people specifically buy these chips to overclock. So Intel's pissing a lot of people off right now. Um, this is also going to be a mix of news and tech talk. So Intel's pissed a lot of people off right now. Um, basically because they've come out and said like, hey, you can overclock this shit, but don't because we don't know why it's going wrong. So that is some of the hazards of overclocking. Um, some other ones is, again, you can have uh, damage to your hardware because of heat uh, degradating the silicon within the device. Um, you can also get blue screens or BSODs, which basically is your computer going, oh shit, something just happened, I don't know how to handle it. Go away, go away, go away, turn off. Um, now, overclocking isn't specifically limited to processors either. Jukebox, it's super weird when you guys aren't talking. <laughs> well, I have a few questions if you want me to interject. If you want to jump in as we go, because other oh. people have the same questions. Yeah, well, it's kind of hard to jump in, but it's mostly in regards to uh, what's happening with Intel there. I kind of want to know what maybe the volume or population of people who are having these overheating problems are. It's, it's become a serious enough issue that Linus Tech Tips covered um, it on the WAN show. Well, it's become a serious enough issue that Intel has put out an official statement. Yeah. that That's After kind of why I wanted to know. Yeah, after 37 pages of complaints on the Intel community forums. Oh, Jesus Christ. They finally came out and addressed it. Okay. And at any point when the i7-7700 came out, did they advertise that you can overclock it, or did they just say it's unlocked? Do you know? Intel 7700K advertising. <laughs> so it's, it's always been um it's always been that the k skew series uh 7600k 7700k 7800k da 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 
are unlocked to allow overclocking. I know they're allowed, but I want to know if Intel at any point said overclock these. Or if they just said, you can. I know they have said you can. I don't know if they have said these chips are for overclocking. They say these chips have better overclocking. <laughs> um, Proved yourselves wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know specifically if they market these for overclockers. Yeah. They do See. say enhanced thermal interface material for better overclocking or enhanced or more restrictive um, quality thresholds for better overclocking stability. Yeah. Uh, they do definitely mention overclocking, but I don't know if they specifically say to overclock. Yeah, see, I mean, I'd be butthurt if my shit failed anyways, but like, I'd be more butthurt if I bought this chip where they said overclock this and I overclocked it and it failed. Whereas yeah. if they just said you can... And then it failed. I wouldn't feel as bad because I know the uh, the dangers of overclocking. Yeah. I think, and like reading through some of the comments just on the page that I'm on specifically, why, um, like why Intel Force 4790K, which is a couple generations old, but the equivalent chip, why force users uh, with high-end components that are proven working to upgrade uh, to 7700K for things like Netflix 4K um, or or other specific little things that are supported on the newer chips. Yeah. Uh, like, people are pissed so oh, much right now. Um, and it's like, it, it, it's justified. This, I think, is going to be a point because of this issue um, this issue is going to be the tipping point where I think a lot of people are going to go from the blue team Intel over to red team AMD with the new rise yeah. and stuff. This is the best thing rising could have asked for. Um, I don't feel as many people will be jumping ship unless their processors actually fucked up. Cause I know it's unlocked and all, but a lot of people are still scared of overclocking. So, so if they don't overclock and their chip runs fine, they probably don't have a reason to go buy a new one. Like, a, like half a year after this thing came out. Yeah, so I'm not talking about... Um, I mean, there will be some people who have a 7700K and an expansive budget where they're like, fuck this computer, and they go get one. <laughs> I'm yeah. talking about the people coming into either upgrading or uh, like upgrading an old machine, replacing it, yeah. or building new machines, um, new builders who are going to come in and they're going to see this and they're going to be like, well, nah. seriously, Intel? <laughs> like, the fuck all right well ryzen's looking better like people who don't previously have a bias one way or another yeah this is going to make ryzen look like that big shiny thing because all of ryzen's chips are unlocked whereas Give with a intel, small boost yeah all of ryzen's chips are unlocked whereas with intel um only these specific k series and they're top of the line chips uh Hold on. So they're with, not cheap with ryzen i thought it was all the R7s and R5s were unlocked, but not whenever R3 comes out. I thought it was, like, specifically one SKU. Um, all of... Every AMD Ryzen CPU will have an unlocked multiplier, is what I'm seeing. Oh, dandy. So that, that would include the Ryzen 3, 
which is simply quad cores, to my understanding. Yeah. Uh, quad core, and I'm gonna say hyper threaded. I know it's not hyper threaded. If they had two cores. Uh, yeah, they, they, I doubt they'd make that. Uh, AMD has always made more cores with almost equivalent value to the fewer cores of Intel, or almost equivalent performance to the fewer cores of Intel. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not gonna. S- I'm going to say hyper-threading, but I'm not going to... I'm not sure like, on the R3 because specs and stuff haven't been released and stuff, but R5 and R7, they don't necessarily have their trademarked hyper-threading type name. They just say simultaneous multi-threading. I thought Ryzen 3s were spec'd. Were they? If they did, I totally missed it. I may have missed it because everything kind of washed out after the R5 series. Yeah, pretty much. So, anyways, this has been a mix of tech and news. So we're gonna go back to the your questions because you had more. Um, not necessarily. Okay. Um. Okay. Actually, so we'll go back. for oh. for people for uh, the tech talk part, when you overclock, do you do it in BIOS or do you have an application? You know, tell these okay. people how you overclock. So that's what actually I was about to jump back into here. So overclocking, um, overclocking or pushing your hardware faster than it's supposed to go while thereby taking the risk that it may not function as it's intended um, can be done on multiple parts of your computer. Um, we'll talk about um, the parts of your computer probably in the next tech talk. I was going to do it this time, but overclocking was more important with the Intel shit going on. Um, but in your computer, there are a bunch of parts. You have memory, processors, motherboards, uh, storage. You have graphics cards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, processors. So if I didn't say that, um, the the parts that people will generally overclock are going to be your processor, which is the thinking of the computer, your memory, uh, which is not the same as storage. Your memory simply holds a cache of open applications. It is fucking fast and it's just meant to provide the processor with the information as fast as it needs as opposed to waiting for your storage like your hard drive or solid state drive uh you also have your graphics card which or your graphics processing unit gpu which does exactly what i just said it processes your graphics or can be used for CUDA processing or rendering on other stuff but we'll talk about that later uh not today um so these three devices or um parts of the computer are the biggest influencers on your um, performance. Some games will have a CPU bottleneck where the processor is the point where it's taking so much information it just can't take anymore, which means your graphics card would then have extra headroom, could potentially go faster or get you more frames. Some games are graphics card bottlenecked, which again, graphics card is going as fast as it can, CPU is waiting and like could go faster. The idea of overclocking is simply to push any singular component faster uh, so that it will be less of a bottleneck. You will always have a bottleneck at somewhere. Um, in games like Dishonored, the game engine limits you to, I think, 120 frames per second. Um, in games like um, call it Ghost Recon Woodlands, 
it is a super intensive game to run. So either your processor or your graphics card, the hardware itself is going to be your limiting device. The idea of overclocking is, um, and I actually have my graphics card overclocked, but I haven't overclocked my processor, uh, is simply to say, okay, instead of thinking 14,000 times a second, I want you to think 17,000 times a second. And generally, the 20% boost in um, speed would result in a 5 to 10% boost in frames per second. Now, when you're gaming at 144 frames, that's not a huge deal. But when you're pushing like 4K resolutions, you're doing high textures and like intensive games, and you're going from 25, 26 frames to 35, 40 frames, which I've actually done in Arc by overclocking my graphics card. Um, though Arc is not well optimized, so take that with a grain of salt for other games. <laughs> That's a big deal when you're going from 25 to 40 frames. Um, it really makes a difference on the the fluidity of the game because if you get hitches or stutters or uh, any sort of lag, it really brings you back out of the game. So you lose your immersion. Um, yeah, basically overclocking is to make something go faster to create less of a bottleneck on that component. When you overclock your processor... That's generally done on the motherboard itself, so within the BIOS, when you first start your computer. Um, look up your processor overclocking guide on YouTube. Jay's Two Cents, Linus Tech Tips, um, Bitwit, previously Awesome Sauce Network, does awesome videos. I think Paul's Hardware does some as well. Um, and I may be missing Probably. some of the other tech tubers, but I think I've seen a couple from Paul. Oh, Joker does some too. Um, although, Joker's videos can be hit and miss. A lot of his videos are just angry rants, and a lot of his videos are really informative. So take his stuff with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, if you're going to overclock your processor, it's usually done within the BIOS. It can create a bunch of instability. Be extremely careful, and even if you don't know exactly what you're doing, make sure you have a guide. Um, it's generally safe to overclock within certain specifications um like for intel chips you can usually go 1.35 volts or 1.3 volts depending on the generations again watch those guides know exactly what numbers you're punching in when you punch them in have somebody help you through this who's done it before even if just a youtube video just accidentally um, miss a decimal place the whole thing starts on fire. <laughs> well, most of the time it's, uh, yeah, uh, it's not good. Um, and actually, Intels have safeties built in. AMDs do not. You will cook your AMD chips, and they'll just be gone. Um, or there is graphics card overclocking, which is generally done within a software in Windows um, softwares right. that I use personally, I have used EVGA Precision X, or you can use MSI Afterburner is what I'm using now just because it's That's monitoring system is better. Yeah. yeah. I use it because it's monitoring system is better. I can watch all the specs on my computer while I'm gaming and know where my bottlenecks are. Um, as an IT guy, that's what I want to know for when I'm doing future builds to be able to work around stuff like that. Um, but that's simply done 
and it's the same concept. It's simply voltage and frequency adjustments. You want to raise them as high as you can without spiking your thermals and without causing instability. Now you'll you'll put in your numbers and then you'll open a program for um, CPUs. I use IDA64. For graphics cards, I will use usually Heaven Benchmark because it'll just cycle and cycle and cycle and cycle. Uh, but you usually want to do a 12 to 24 hour just let it run one of these super intensive programs because uh, they'll hit every part of the processing unit whether it's cpu or gpu they'll usually hit every part they'll create the most heat they'll have the highest load if it's going to fuck up it should fuck up there um once you've done a 12 or 24 hour stability test keep in mind i have seen 48 hour stability test pass gaming crashed the system um so it's not guaranteed but i mean anything can crash anything once you've done what you feel is safe or overclocked your thermals are good you're happy you'll generally lock those in and that'll just be your new standard running specifications on that piece of hardware um, the other thing to keep in note is with overclocking there's something called the silicone lottery some parts like individual uh. pieces are just better than others you can have three identical cpus two of them will overclock one of them just won't Silicon lottery blows. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's funny is I actually, I don't generally overclock a whole lot, but when I do, um, I drink Dos Equis. No, I, uh, I've actually had decent luck with the lottery. Um, like my graphics card, I couldn't get it up to, I'm running a GTX 970. I couldn't get it super stable at 1450 megahertz. Um, like it would crash fairly frequently i dropped it down to 1400 megahertz which is where most people say you should be okay and i haven't had any issues with it um Yay. i don't I, yeah i don't need to push my hardware as hard as possible this is honestly for arc where i just i needed the extra frames to make the game fluid because like it yeah. would just straight up lock so yeah oh, overclocking Go team. That was Scufflewix Tech Talk. Yeah, we need a better name for that. Okay. We'll um, come up with something. You know, when you were going to explain the difference between malware and viruses and hacking and stuff, the reason mm -hmm. I said Tech Talk there is because I didn't know if you were doing one, and I was trying to integrate it because I thought we were only going to go for this one hour and then just done. <laughs> Fuck you, man. I got lots of shit to say. Yeah, I'm sure. No, that's do. pretty much all I got. Um, did we have anything else we wanted to talk about? Well, we have a couple conventions, and if we're sticking to the format, I do have a movie to talk about. Did I just lose you? No, I'm here. I'm just looking at the clock. Yay, tech talk. Um, all right. Well, go ahead with the uh, YEG pin. Yeah. So Yeg pinball is a convention where they gather as many pinball machines as they can into one space and you pay 20 flat dollars at the door or you could get a weekend pass for like 40 and you have access to all these pinballs on free play they also had a few vendors people who sell pinball and pinball accessories they had door prizes and silent auctions 
and they also had two different tournaments going on at the same time. One of them was like the Canadian Western Pinball Championship, and the other was, uh, I can't remember the acronym, but they're the big uh, pinball league that's kind of international. Cool. Yeah, any questions? How intensive are these tournaments, and how reliable can the machines really be over that many uses? So, uh, the tournament was a little bit quiet. I think it's it's not like the finals or anything. I think these are like qualifiers for regions or something. But the people who are in the tournaments are usually pretty hardcore. Like, you know, they'll play a single game for like an hour straight. They'll jump up and down. They'll swing around. They'll swear. They'll kick the machine. Shit like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, small audience, mostly other pinball players, of course. Um, the reliability of the machines, pinball machines and arcade machines in general, were made to be on for very long periods of time and to be played several times with the hopes that they don't break. But pinball machines are just an ass ton of small electrical components and moving parts, and it's almost inevitable that something will go wrong eventually, whether it happens that weekend or the next week or you know, after a single player, after 300, is completely undeterminable. Mm -hmm. But I saw about, I was there for four hours, I saw about five machines out of 80 that went out of order, and then they had, because most of the machines are kind of like donated, they're uh, people will take from their personal collections or from on location and put them here for the weekend. Um, they would go around and they'd fix their machines or reset them or whatever they needed to have done so i only saw one machine that was actually out for the entire night so they actually have on-site technicians with spare parts and blah 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 yep and since a oh, lot of these good. machines came from collectors and whatnot what what a lot of them will do is once you open the coin door kind of in the sides they'll have a bunch of parts or rubbers or uh, Just lights waiting. that are needed specifically for that machine oh that's good yeah Decent. So, did you get the chance to play any, and if so, which were some of your favorites? Um, I played 55 pinball machines okay. and two arcade machines. Name five that were your favorite. Oh, God. Um, Come on, 12%. You got this, buddy. <laughs> no, that's not 12%. That's way off. Hang on. Five of 60. Do the math. I don't know, math is hard. It's 1 out of 12. One of oh, 8.5%. No, 8.75? I'm just going to continue on. So, Terminator 2... 8.3, so close. <laughs> Terminator 2 is amongst my favorite machines, and they had one there. It was almost constantly in use because it's one of the better machines, but... I was a little sad because I have a lot of nostalgia for that game because I used to play it all the time at the bowling alley as a kid, but I cannot for the life of me make any of the shots on that machine. Like, I just suck at it. Still a favorite, but yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> I only got to play like two games on it, though. General courtesy, if someone's waiting behind you, only play one game. If you're with someone, yeah. try and play two-player games. So Terminator, that's one. Uh, Pink Panther, which generally older games... 
Yep, that Pink Panther. Um, Generally, older games seem less fun, uh, mostly because they have less stuff to them. They don't have, like, a animated display and whatnot. But I found at this convention that I had a lot more fun with the older machines, partially because they were taken better care of. So I was actually kind of finding that a lot of the newer ones, um, they had, like, loose flippers or the coils were burning out or like lights were burnt out, stuff like that. So they didn't play nearly as nice as these older ones. And I feel like part of that's because the older ones are cheaper. So whatever collector didn't blow their load spying the machine and actually had some money to fix it up afterwards. Yeah. But with the pink Panther, they actually did quite a few um, extra things to it. So they painted a lot of the rails pink. They put pink rubbers around all of like the bumpers and the flippers and stuff. And they painted the outside of the cabinet all the metal pink. So just little and they personal com- touches. Yeah, and they completely resurfaced it. So it played very smoothly. And it was... They had a few wide bodies. So there's like a standard pinball machine. And then there's one that's like half a foot wider. Um, I've only played about four of them. But that was probably my favorite of the wide bodies. Fuck, that's two. Um, Centaur. Also highly, um, how would I put this, uh, restored, I guess. Everything looked almost completely new on it. But what they actually did is they took the rubbers and they put glow-in-the-dark rubber in there. So this machine was, like, glowing. And the thing with Centaur is it's all black, white, and red, so it looks super evil. And then when you have the playfield glowing, it looks even better. So that was a favorite. Um, they had a couple of the Jersey Jack pinballs, so Wizard of Oz Emerald City is ridiculously complicated for a pinball machine, but it's so beautiful that, like, it it deserves to be in, like, the top five. It kind of fits right within the Wizard of Oz theme of, like, or Emerald City specifically of, like, over the top, but gorgeous. Yeah, so with Jersey Jack, they're actually a relatively new company, and... Uh, the Wizard of Oz pinball came out in like 2014 or something. So they tried to like reinvent the pinball a little bit. So instead of having a little digital display, they actually have like a full TV screen in the top head where it keeps your score and plays little animations and stuff. Um, Jersey Jack's kind of known for using more quality parts than the other pinball manufacturers right now. Okay. And they they did some stuff. So like they have a crystal ball that actually has like holograms or whatever inside of it they'll play little videos and it's got a lot more moving like characters on the field and whatnot like the flippers are even ruby slippers mm-hmm. yeah so it's just a really good game nice fuck i need one more god damn seriously i played so many i mean we can do top four <laughs> yeah we'll just stick to top four because there's too many yeah and you need to tell me about the convention you went to. Okay, well, the pinball sounds fun. Um, it is I went, fucking fun. <laughs> I went to uh, the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. Yes, I'm a nerd. That's fine. Um, it was actually a lot of fun. They had some of the normal guests. Stan Lee, who actually wasn't supposed to be there because last year was supposed to be his last year in Canada. Um, Mark Muir with Bioshock. 
I shouldn't have to explain who Stanley is, but Mark Mir with Bioshock, he is the voice of Commander Shepard. Um, he does every bunch, year. Yeah, he does a whole bunch of other stuff too, but that's what he's best known for. He's one of the regulars there. Um, Garrett Wang is actually usually one of the hosts uh, from Star Trek. Um, cool. James Marsters has come a few times. Like, so there's been a few of the names that have been there fairly often. Uh, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith, uh, Bob, Jay and Silent Bob were there. Uh, John Cusack was there. I didn't go see him. Um, he was from the movie High Fidelity, which I actually just watched last night. Huh. Uh, I love that long, movie. Because I'm going to skip that segment. Long story short, kind of slow. I could see why you would enjoy it um, as a collector. I found it a little bit slow, but it was a decent movie. And I'm actually going to be in the musical of it here probably later this year. Hopefully, if nice. I get in. Um, Jeremy Renner was there. Uh, Nathan Fillion, who I actually, uh, in front of a crowd of about 15,000 people, I went up and sang to him. Uh, that was fun. Nice. Um, Peter Capaldi. Like, there was, there was a whole bunch of people there. I really... Steven Yeun from The Walking Dead. When I go to the conventions, I go mostly for me so that I can, like, dress up and have fun with the other cosplayers and, like, da-da-da-da-da. And, like, I'll go see one or two of the panels, but I'm mostly there for me. Tell the um, viewers what you cosplayed at. Oh, okay. So, generally, I go every year for the last six years as a ghillie suit. Uh, this year was the first year that I've cosplayed anything else. Um, and actually the first year that I've made anything, uh, Schultze, who I think was a guest or will be at some point, we might've lost his audio. Uh, Schultze actually helped make about 90% of the costume though. Um, we made a Baymax costume and it by no means was the best Baymax costume. But when people walked by, they went, Oh my God, Baymax and ran up and were like, can I get a photo? Can I get, Oh my God. And so that was actually really cool. It went a lot better than I thought it was going to. Um, I figured, like, just the little kids would like it, but there was little kids that ran up and like, Mommy, Mommy, Baymax, Baymax, like little kids do, which I expected, and a bunch of big hugs and all that. Um, There's actually a bunch of, uh, like, older kids, teenagers, young adults that came up, and they're like, Oh, my God, we love you! And, like, big hugs, lots of photos. There were adults uh grandparents even that had come up and been like oh my god we love you let's get a photo and like da 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 so it was actually did you really ever cool. deflate when people hugged you um no because i had a very very high pressure and high volume pump um i had four well in total i had seven pumps six of them were um battery powered first i had three they all burnt out so i swapped them out for another three so when Jeez. I actually went, uh, that was all in testing. So when I actually went, I had four pumps, three battery powered, which all burnt out. And then I had a, a plug-in pump. And I'm glad I had that because it was fucking loud. But it was high static pressure, high flow. So it did actually keep the suit inflated to the point where like it would pop a small hole. I used force flex bags because I liked the way the texture looked. And I thought if I'm going to have a pop, it's going to be concealed to one of the little force flex diamonds. Right. And that actually worked perfect. So we had a few small pops. We would seal those up. Ten minutes later, I get another couple of them. Seal those up. Twenty minutes later, another couple of them. So that worked perfect because Baymax actually does get taped throughout the movie. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it worked really, really decently. I was, I was actually really surprised and a ton of people seem to love the suit. We actually did have a full big hero six group. Um, but because a couple of the members were only there for the one day, they actually took the rest of the group and spent most of the day just wandering around looking through the halls, which admittedly was a little disappointed because I was expecting that we were going to spend the whole day taking photos because I am locked up. Like I was on an extension cord out of a window from one of the restaurants in, um, in the building. So, I mean, I was a little disappointed that we didn't all hang out the whole time, but honestly, when I was taking photos, just me, I had lineups, I had people waiting. I had like, I was popular. They showed up. I went from like a photo every 20, 30 seconds to a, a photo every three minutes. So that was oddly satisfying because they left again after to go look more and I stayed. Um, and it went back to like, boom, 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 boom photos. So it was, it was oddly satisfying. <laughs> I saw a few of them on the Canada camo Instagram. Oh yeah. I'm, uh, I go on Instagram as Canada camo, uh, Facebook, Twitter as well. And I think Snapchat is Canada camo. Anyways, that's if you're looking for me, you want to get a hold of me as far as cosplay. That's the way to do it. Otherwise, Scufflelick is usually what I'm known as on Steam and stuff. I think I'm gonna change over though. I don't know. I might just put mm. everything Canada Camo. Anyways, um, like it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Tell, tell me about singing to Nathan Fillion. Oh, um, so Nathan so Fillion I don't have had full context. <laughs> okay, so Nathan Fillion had a panel. Um, basically the, the celebrities, the corral, I think it is, is just a giant, like hockey rink where they have like rodeos or whatever. I don't know how many people at seats, but like it was packed for Nathan Fillion. Um, and like you, you basically watch him talk with the, um, moderator for a little bit. They'll have a little conversation and then they'll get to attendee questions and you just line up and you ask questions, do whatever. Um, and so that was cool. I kind of had a question prepared because I just recently seen Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. I've never seen it before. So I saw it and I was like, man, this would be a lot of fun to do the musical. So I went and looked and, uh, apparently they don't give out rights for the musical anymore. So I'm like, you know what? Nathan's coming to town. Let's just ask him. Cause he's a drama geek. Like he's actually from Edmonton. He spent a lot of time in the local improv clubs and drama societies and stuff like that. So I'm like, you know what? He's a cool guy. Let's ask him. So I went up, and when it was my turn to ask, I'm like, hey, Nathan, sup, buddy? Uh, you were recently in a thing. Wow, words are hard now. You were recently in a little short film called Dr. Horrible Singlong Blog with Neil Patrick Harris. He's like, who's that guy? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. He's a weird guy. I'm like, anyways, uh, what I was wondering is, what's a man gotta do to get to do this play? And like, I just sang a little bit of one of the songs from Dr. Horrible. Um, and when I finished singing, like it was only a few lines. Um, but when I actually finished singing, first thing he does is he says, first of all, puts the mic down, just starts. And like the entire fucking stadium thing starts cheering. And I'm like, well, oh, Jesus. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I feel like a rock star. Well, I mean, I sang to Neil Patrick Harris a couple of years ago too. Same thing. So it's, I'm kind of awesome. Um, but he picks the mic back up and he's like, second, let me look into that. 
I'm gonna so find did out. you actually get like a contact? Um, I left a note uh, with like Canada Camo, and I said if if you would prefer, you can also get a hold of me through your previous classmate. Da da da. Because uh, I'm actually um, the IT guy of a previous classmate of his. So I'm oh, like, if you if it's easier for you to do it that way, go ahead and just have her let me know, or here's my direct contact. Like, whichever works. Obviously, no rush. Low, like you got other stuff going on. But if you get the chance, it would be sweet. Um. So yeah, that was singing to Nathan. Fucking Fillion. tight. I'm pretty sure you told the story about Neil Patrick on episode five. Yeah, I think I did. Cosplay convention, crazy characters. I might have. Basically, you're, you're, I just I sang to Neil Patrick Harris. You're gonna have to tell us if you get contacted. Oh yeah, like on the podcast. No, don't worry. It have will like be a little squealing everywhere. moment. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, but hashtag shameless plug. Um, again, Canada camo. If you guys want to look that stuff up, go team. <laughs> Anything else about the convention? Did you go like see said, any panels other than Nathan, Nathan Fillion? Not really. Like I said, I I go for me, as in yeah. Canada Camo. I go to see all the other cosplayers and for people to see me and like just to have fun with a bunch of nerds. Um, I don't really see a lot of panels. The food was good, as always. Yeah. You know... I collect uh, Sonic the Hedgehog comics, and I'm a little scared to see what's going to happen to the price of them at these conventions now, because it's Sonic the Hedgehog is unofficially cancelled, oh, which yeah. makes me ridiculously sad. Nice. Not nice. <laughs> no, because uh, come December, they re- Archie received a cease and desist from Sega of Japan because they forgot to fucking renew their... Uh, their licensing agreement. Oh, no. And then the only statement they made is that they're in talks and that the April issue should be coming out. April is past, so everyone's just assuming it's cancelled at this point. Which, oh, God. It just makes me sad. I, like, went into the comic shop after not being there for two months expecting, like, a bunch of comics in my file, and they're like, nothing. (laughs) Hmm. But Sonic is almost kind of like Star Trek, where you have two different factions of fans fighting over the same shit, so the price gets jacked up a lot just because of that. So now that it's cancelled, everyone's going to be trying to get their backlogs and get everything down. The price is inevitably going to go up, and it was already high enough at those conventions. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's... Pretty much all I had for my expos. Yeah. Does that yeah. mean the podcast is over? I mean, I don't really have anything else. I'm. That's pretty much my week. Yeah, I think I'm good to go too. Cool. Go, um, go sleep because I was out super late playing pinball. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, well, Kusai is not here, but he says he loves you all, I'm sure. Probably not. He's kind of a douche. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Um, bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Podcast TBD. If you're on iTunes, be sure to subscribe to us and leave us a five star rating. We'll read your review on the show. If there's anything you want us to talk about or just want to be a part of the conversation, then tweet at us 
at the Podcast TBD, or comment on our Facebook at Podcast TBD. Thanks again, and until next time.